Guys, I want to buy a house. I'm not giving you a loan. I will. You're not a lender. That's what we're talking about today. Welcome to the Utah Real Estate Show podcast, the show where two agents and a lender teach real estate best practices by talking through mistakes we've seen and made. In the residential market, it's less common, but that doesn't make it any less valid. All right. There's, just like just like we talked about, there's a bunch of wins for the seller. There's a lot of wins for the buyer as well, typically in reduced uh, threshold for a lot of things. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Utah Real Estate Show. I am Tyler Kazare, Utah Real Estate Agent. Jason Christiansen, Mortgage Lender. Eric West, Utah Real Estate Agent. Today, in our episode, we are talking about seller finance Woo! and the effect that it has on the market. And some of you probably never even heard of seller finance. So we're gonna talk about what it is then we're gonna talk about some of the cool things you can do with it today. So this isn't even like 101, this is like the 99.5 or something. What's the pre-college course? Pre-101, like remedial. Yeah, this is remedial seller financing coming go. at you. There you go. Why is it remedial? Because seller financing is like this big. And you how can much go are we gonna a talk million about? different directions. And we're yeah. not going in those million different yeah. directions. We're if you want more specifics, just call us yeah. and then we can run your scenario. Yeah. In order to get a good idea of what this is, let's start off with a very basic definition. What is seller finance? A seller financing rather than a lender. Well, that's about as basic as it gets. So you can talk about this from the seller perspective or you can talk about this from the buyer perspective. Let's, let's talk from the buyer perspective for a little bit. So well, maybe, maybe let's go down a few just generic options and then we'll kind of go into them a little bit, each one. So you have uh, lease option, right? A lease option, okay. okay. You have wraparound mortgages, mm -hmm. okay. You have contract for deed, you have all-inclusives, okay. Right. Those are your most basic ones. Some of the most basic. And then you can play around within those. But, so what does some of that mean? What is, what like a lease option, what does that mean? Let's talk about a lease option to purchase. Okay, so if you are in a rental position, as a buyer, uh, or as a tenant rather, mm -hmm. and you want to convert yourself into a buyer, you may approach it, the owner of the property, you may approach another property and say, I wanna lease this property until such time as I can buy it. And for the privilege of buying this, I wanna be the only person that you can sell this to, I'm gonna deliver up some cash to you as an option to purchase. Maybe that's, you know, 1% of the purchase price or 5% of the purchase Whatever. price. There, there's a lot of negotiation that can go into this, but essentially now the- You're a renter who wants to become yeah, you're a buyer. a renter that's, uh, some people call it rent to own. There's, yeah, there's some difference in that. Awesome. But so yeah. let's go into wraparound. Sure, okay. So the, the wraparound, well I should, there you go, it's wrapping around. What is a wraparound? So a wraparound is where someone holds a note and then someone else comes with financing and encompasses that note. Okay, so who's in, who is the original holder of the note in this the, case? Well, the previous owner, the seller. Right. Has, has financing a, on the, he has a loan on the house. Right, he has a loan on the house to some other entity, typically a bank. Okay. And then they write another deed that pays that one. So this one is encompassing this one, that one's taken care of, so it's kinda like leapfrog down the thing or dominoes. This one pays this one, that one pays that one. Right. Okay. So, so the original mortgage remains in place. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about uh, a little bit later a phrase called due on sale. But yeah, it's we'll, kind of a delicate situation. We're teasing that right now. But um, that original loan remains in place and the financing that comes in after it is, is on top of it and pays the original loan. Yep. So okay. now we have two other options which are pretty close the same. They're just structured slightly different. All inclusive um, and contract for deed. 
Uh, contract for deed is something you guys most likely have all already done. Kind of like when you buy a car. Yeah. You don't get the title to the car. The bank does. It's their name on it. The person has the money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it, Their name's on the title. Yours is not until you clear that loan. Okay. It's the same thing with the house. You can buy that house contract for the deed. You've traded a value for this. You have the right. It's your house. You just don't have your name on title yet until you fulfill it. Which is different. Houses, the minute you buy the house, typically, typically. you get title mm-hmm. with a lien on it. Mm-hmm. So contract for deed changes the house purchase to the same way like an auto loan goes. So it's it's different and yeah. that's why. And then an all-inclusive is more like a traditional mortgage where you get it and your name goes on title. You're still financing it through the seller for whatever amount. We'll go into a couple of those, but your name is actually on title. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of really quick reasons that you may want to do one or the other. And some of that comes into due on sale clauses like that. So if we have one buyer or the seller wants to sell their house, I want to buy it, okay? He still has a mortgage on it, okay? He needs to fulfill that mortgage. The buyer does that. If they do an all-inclusive, the name gets changed on the title. What happens each year? Uh, there's lots of things. Taxes. <laughs> yes. Tax notices, different names. So the problem is, is conventional loans back in the 80s did a due on sale clause, which really, really means if the name changes on title, they can call the loan note due. So however much is still owed is due like that. Your last payment just became hundreds of thousands of dollars. Typically, they don't enforce these. It doesn't change the fact that it could be construed as mortgage fraud. Mm-hmm. You could, you're, you're bending the rules. Mm-hmm. So that's why a contract on deed becomes attractive as a seller but it doesn't give as much strength to the buyer. Yeah, and so there's ways that to protect yourself with a lot of this stuff because if I'm the buyer buying it from the seller, I wanna make sure that mortgage is being paid all the time, on time, there's a lot of disclosures in between that. So you would use a third party and escrow specialist, that's what they do. They pay the mortgage for the seller, they collect the money from the buyer and they make sure everything is paid and then they divvy up their any remaining amount to the seller. It's all taken care of. It's set and that way we know that the seller's paying everything there, but you still run that risk. Contract for deed, your name never changes at the title. Typically, it's it, you're a lot safer that way. A little bit more protections on the seller side, not as much on the buyer, but still not necessarily a bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. As long as the title work's done right. As That's the biggest thing. Make sure it's recorded with the right security instruments. So now we've kind of talked a little bit about these, Tyler, what are some like basic <laughs> basic actually, seller finance options? Before we jump into that, we actually missed one. We, we missed one that's probably the most obvious one. What if the seller owns his house outright? Oh. Yeah. There's no loan on the property, there's no anything. You do it all inclusive. The, the easiest way to run that one is just called straight seller finance where the seller's just like, okay, well, um, I want such and such a down payment, pay me over this amount of time and we're done. Right. Well, yeah, but your name would be, that would be the all-inclusive because your name would be on title mm-hmm. at that point because there's yeah. no bank to care about if you on sale. Yeah, meaning though it's the simplest yes, one. The, it the, is the simplest, simplest possible mm-hmm. uh, seller finance you can do is a, a straight seller finance where the seller just owns the property outright. Um, anyway, to your point though, there are concerns uh, about this kind of stuff. If you're a, if you're a seller, uh, you may be concerned about 
Um, well, let's talk about reasons to do it, right? So you may be concerned about getting full price for your property, right? Like maybe maybe you're shooting for the upper end of that market. You've got comps that justify 680,000 on your property, but you want 690 or maybe 700,000. Do you think you can push that? Well, it's gonna be hard with traditional financing because you're gonna run into appraisal. It's gonna run in that, into that risk. Um, but a seller finance deal, you might be able to uh, increase the amount of income that's coming in and offer a buyer an opportunity that he or she otherwise wouldn't have coming in. Right, you change the whole pool of who's going for your house. Because like, I might say, uh, like a common one seems lately is like they're going through divorce. One of the parties has filed. Until that is resolved, you've got an outstanding unknown debt. I can't give you a loan. Well, I've got a buddy right now who's like in the second year of divorce, right? He can't buy a house. Not with any conventional financing, but seller financing, just, yeah, you put this much down, but I don't care. I don't care if the divorce doesn't go through. I don't care if it does go through. I don't care if I need to foreclose on your house because I'm going to keep 20% and I'm not going to sustain the losses like a bank would. Well, and exactly. typically, so when you write a mortgage, most commonly people know it as a 30-year mortgage. Mm -hmm. That's how long you did. Seller finance is typically not that long. Doesn't have to be, but yeah, yeah, it, it can be. It's usually much shorter. The beauty, like at the very beginning we talked about, seller finance is like this. Like, it's whatever the buyer and the seller negotiate and agree upon. Mm -hmm. It could be a 30 year. Typically they're like three to five years. Right. This much payment, whether it's amortized or not, after this period of time, you- The balloon is due. Yep. And so that's, that, that new buyer has to either refinance into a traditional loan. Which like if they're waiting for bankruptcy to clear or the divorce to finalize, no worries. Yeah. That's gonna happen in yeah. a few years. In five years, that should be wrapped up. Or no worries. They have to sell it, which they can't sell it. Yeah. Just like just like having a thirty year, even though you don't own the house, you own you don't have complete ownership of the house, you have the right to still sell it. Yeah. Same thing with seller financing as well. Another advantage for sellers to do it is they're now going to make extra money because if they were selling it for say 700,000, they now say, okay, we want seller 700,000, we want 10% down, and we want, what's the going rate, 6% right now? Okay, we'll make it enticing, we'll give it to you for 5%. We'll lower interest rate than what he can do, but that seller is now collecting the interest as well. Yeah. Which which so you have a conventional loan it's not assumable you've got a sweet rate you don't want to let that rate go you can still capitalize on that cheap borrowed money yeah by holding the note and mm -hmm. getting another note yeah and you're you're essentially making the the market. you're making the spread yeah, yeah you're making a spread um so some of the other um interesting things is you can we talked about the situation where there's a bankruptcy or a divorce or something that you, you realize, you know, like in five years or so, like I'm probably going to be wrapped up in this thing, but, but we don't know. So one of the nice things that you can do, you can structure this into your seller finance deal and say, all right, well, the, the note's payable uh, in five years at this amount. If you need more time, why not just add a clause that says, all right, well, then the interest rate becomes 6%. You need another year. Or you can base it on 7%. current market. Like, yeah, you yeah. can be like, yeah. you, that's, that's the beauty yeah, of it. You, you can do whatever you want. You it can, can be customized so many ways. You can add prepayment penalties. You can add, you know, all sorts of different, different things. Yeah. So why would a buyer be interested in it? Now, those were some good things for the seller that's gonna make some good money. Right. Now, on the buyer side, uh, <laughs> 
when you go get a traditional loan, they want to know where like every he's throwing penny the comes from, don't you? Yeah. Pretty much, yes. You want to know, you're getting a dollar, a down payment, I gotta know where it's coming from, who it's coming from, how it's coming from it, all this stuff. On a seller finance, typically, they don't care. Give me the money. Yeah, they just care. I want it. So I what that means payment. is I've heard stories of families and friends getting together and pitching in for every one of the family and friends, you know, every couple months, on their yeah. down payment. You hear that as a mortgage lender and you're like, I can't yeah. that. Yeah. You're not getting a loan. Yeah, yeah, that so makes it difficult. There's but even cash on hand. Yeah. You, you started self-employment, you're doing amazing. You've been over six months, I'm not touching you. Yeah, I can't. So. Seller finance, that's like I said, the beauty on the buying side is, is that, and that this is, we're just talking about like, if you're trying to buy a home as a primary residence, if you're doing if you're investment property, on, yeah, you're even you're even more crazy. I mean, you can do stuff of. I mean, I heard of one just recently where they negotiated ten percent down, no payments for six months, amortized for a thirty year, full payment was due in one year, so it was a quick one. So they did that. The seller moved out. The new buyer came in, rehabbed the property and then turn around and sold it in nine months. They didn't even have to make a mortgage payment for six months, so he only made three mortgage payments. Yeah, and then turn on and sold it. Close it. This is much more common in the investment world yes. when you start to get to like apartment complexes or commercial hotels, big com stuff. Yeah, yeah, like big stuff. There's gonna be, often there's going to be an element of commercial, of uh, seller, seller financing. financing. And that's kind of expected. In the, in the residential market, it's less common, but that doesn't make it any less valid. Right. right. There's just like just like we talked about. There's a bunch of wins for the seller. There's a lot of wins for the buyer as well. Typically, in reduced uh, threshold for a lot of things. Like may, maybe you're in a cash heavy business or something like that, and, and it's hard to come up with the traditional the the PLs for the traditional financing to work. Um, but you've got cash lying around, and you're and you're ready to go. Right. This is a prime opportunity as a buyer in a seller finance position where you can ask, Hey, are you willing to sell a finance? If so, I can give you a higher down payment because I've got the cash I can give you a higher down payment. Let's work out terms. And you can move more properties, right? right. So well, let's one more thing before we close this thing out. Um, you should be on very good terms with an attorney or someone who can write these terms for you. The promissory notes, <laughs> like whether you're the seller or the buyer, you even need, a good title company that's that's that does this a lot. But yes, you you need somebody who knows what they're doing because there are more pitfalls in this than traditional mortgage. Yeah, the, and, and you can really, really, really get yourself screwed over. Well, yeah. and and not to scare you too much because it's it's more of just being prepared. But it is. You can you structure your your deals so where you have the same protections as a as a bank does. I mean, if the buyer stops paying, guess what? You foreclose on them. Yeah. Just like a bank would. And you. If they the do this, and you, all that stuff. You, yeah, it's it's those same things. But if you don't have that worded in your contract, there's your problem. Well, and then just as yeah. the buyer, make sure that property is yours. I've seen yes. several seller finance deals where the homeowner comes in to refinance to pay off their seller who shouldn't be on title and they don't own the home. Yep. And they've been making the payments, they made the down payment, and it's not theirs. And it never made it. Yeah, I, I've heard that a lot with rent-to-owns, and that's where they get suckered in a little bit because it's not structured. Yeah. They think that all the money they're going to. This is going towards down payment. This is going not. lowering the purchase price of something. And yeah, they, 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 they kind of got shafted. So speaking to a good agent who knows what they're doing, 
to then talk to good attorneys and to good title companies, it's, I mean, it is a safe, it's a safe deal. I mean, we've structured a few of them. Yeah. So what do we learn? Well, my key takeaway is to make sure that you have competent individuals, whether that's an attorney or a title company, but somebody who knows the stuff inside and out to do the paperwork for you. It's important to know what is most important to the other party. So is it timing? Is it the amount of money they're getting? Because this is the angle you're going to work to get away from traditional financing. And remember, this is one of those great options to where you can't get a regular loan through him but you can still buy a house and still capitalize on it. Your subscription is due when you watch this video. No, it's not. It was never recorded in my name. So you should like rocks. You should like it. Comment. Subscribe. Let's do this. If you want to get in touch with us, shoot us a text at 801-228-7687. Make sure you mention the show. You can email us at the Utah Real Estate Show at gmail.com. You can watch this show on YouTube and you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you learned something or if you really love this show, give us a like on YouTube and drop a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The Utah Real Estate Show is a production of Hive Collective at Presidio Real Estate with support from Security Home Mortgage. The NMLS number for Security Home Mortgage is 178787. The NMLS number for Jason Christiansen is 240472, Equal Housing Lender. Not only is this not legal or investment advice, but you should definitely talk to a pro before you make any real estate decision. Every situation is different and should be considered in context. Copyright Jason Christiansen, Eric Wist, and Tyler Kazare. All rights reserved. Talk to you next week. be the problem <laughs> I want to buy a home I'm right? not giving you a loan oh, let's try it again <laughs> guys I want to buy a loan <laughs> <laughs> maybe okay. do you want to say but, it no, okay. we'll give him four right. more takes yeah I need I need seven takes guys all right that's what we're talking about today we can do that better okay that's, that's what we're talking about it. today yeah, okay. just one person say it all right you say it Jason oh I like to say it perfect Good see job. what happens when you didn't talk See what happens. <laughs> Guys, I want to buy a house. <laughs> <You gotta be good. laughs> Sorry. Hello and what? Put that hand down. <laughs>